The Tech Today podcast is brought to you by SSNC Technologies, a global market-leading provider of cloud-based investment accounting software services in fund administration. SSNC's AI-powered investment operations and accounting platform, Singularity, provides real-time, multi-basis accounting across a wide range of asset types with unparalleled automation and operational efficiency. Singularity is offered on a software-as-a-service basis or via smart source. SSNC's intelligent middle and back office accounting service. For more information, visit ssctech.com forward slash singularity. Welcome to the Tech Today podcast, powered by CEO Raider. It's your host, John Mayetta. Visit us online at ceorader.com. Anonymously rate your company, rate your CEO. Speaking of CEO Raider, we published an article at Tech Today, which you ought to visit for the latest in capital markets and technology related news spelled T-E-K-2-D-A-Y, if you're new to the show. And we published not so much an article as much as it was a data set around companies that are selling, companies where the insiders are, are selling. So we took an extract of 62 companies from the CEO-rated database, primarily technology companies. And it was just, we're curious as to what's going on with regards to insider selling, given that it's obvious that the equity market is richly valued, overvalued is our view, uh, largely due to the Fed. And it's our view that corporate management teams are aware of this, and they see the disconnect between stock valuations and the underlying economy, and therefore they'd want to capitalize on that delta and make some money for themselves by selling holdings. And so you can look at that list, which is available for free, at Tech Today, and again, again it's, a six, it's a list of 62 companies uh, where we've sorted by the, the largest seller to the smallest seller. If I remember off the top of my head, the only net buyer, as far as insiders go, was J.P. Morgan. They were a net buyer in Q2. If I didn't mention that, it's a Q2 data set. And we've published a number of other articles at Tech Today over the past week or so since I last joined you on the podcast. Some of it macro-related. Some of it company-specific. There was talk last week that Apple is going to buy a, a search engine. I just don't see that. I think what investors need to understand, I may have mentioned this on the podcast last week, but even with small acquisitions, acquisitions take up a fair amount of management team bandwidth. And not just the senior team, but the, the business unit leaders where acquisitions are ultimately dropped into. It takes up bandwidth in terms of product roadmap, sales execution, R&D investment dollars. So just because a particular company has the, the currency, whether it be equity, cash, or both, to go, out there, to go out there and do acquisitions, number one, it takes two to tango. The seller needs to be willing to be, you know, they, they, they need to be engaged. They need to want to sell. You don't want to waste time chasing a, a seller who doesn't want to sell. And then number two, just because you could afford to do X number of acquisitions doesn't mean you do all of them. They need to make strategic sense. It's more than just a... A cost exercise. So what would be the strategy for Apple to acquire a search engine when you know that the chances, the probability is very high that you would lose market share to Google over time? And that if people don't use a search engine in very large numbers, it's clunky. The algorithms learn from usage. The search equation becomes more effective. The search queries become more effective the more they're used. That's how the ML in the background gets smarter. So I just didn't see that one. We had a piece out about Amazon where we talked a bit about Prime versus Netflix versus Disney Plus and how we like Prime's revenue stream versus the other two. 
and how we believe that Amazon may have a, a second AWS as it relates to their $4 billion, approximately a $4 billion investment in the June quarter around COVID proofing the supply chain. Yeah, there's some proprietary technology that's going to come out of that effort. And to what extent Amazon potentially would want to commercialize that technology once it's been developed, deployed, tested in the field through through internal usage, you know, would they potentially sell that outside like they did with AWS as it evolved over time? And if they were willing to sell that that service to smaller companies in particular, that could be an enormous opportunity. And now we're working out a piece about Amazon in healthcare. It's probably been over a year since we've talked about Amazon playing in the healthcare space. You've got Apple there, you've got Google there, you've got Walmart there. But Amazon's flanked all the all of the important stakeholders, if you will. And I won't go into detail. I don't want to front run the article. But they're very well positioned in, in healthcare. We'll talk a bit about that. It's not going to be a, a huge article. Choppy times in the market. Fed's going to be active buying corporate issues on the credit side. Time will tell if they get active on the equity side. I don't like any of it. There was a good piece published in The Atlantic, if I could just call it up here. The title is The Looming Bank Collapse by Frank Partnoy. And I read through it yesterday. I will link to it in the show notes, reminiscent of 2008. And Mr. Partnoy talks about CLOs. I think Bloomberg talked about it yesterday as well. Wall Street Journal today, CLOs are collateralized loan obligations. The street's been collateralizing credit since what, the early 80s? Diversifying away risk by slicing and dicing debt instruments from single credits and aggregating them into a collateralized security. And we've got probably roughly a trillion of CLO exposure out there. It's difficult to know exactly how much because some of it is located off balance sheet with the banks. And the off-balance sheet disclosures are weak is the best way to describe it. So you don't know exactly what is off-balance sheet. And the piece in the Wall Street Journal today was that the insurance companies didn't realize how much risk they have on the books. And what's happened, why, why CLOs are a problem, is because you have, let's say, a mix of high-grade and junk, i.e. high-yield debt, high-yield, high-grade debt securities that have been sliced and diced and packaged into a, a CLO. None of those packaged CLOs have underlying assets that are AAA rated. But once they're packaged, they go out the door as AAAs oftentimes. So that's the problem. High yield is high yield no matter how you slice it. And we talked about this, I believe in March, here on the podcast. We wrote about it at Tech Today, uh, about a segment of the CLO market, the whole business loans, where I talked about restaurants, salons, nail salons, spas, uh, the, these type of businesses that are uh, small, uh, don't have great cash flow, or oftentimes commodity-type businesses. And they would pledge, in the case of whole business loans, they would pledge their, their physical assets in order to be extended a loan. And these businesses are high-yield-type businesses. But then those, those loans would get packaged into uh, a securitization, and that the, the high yield risk would be diversified away into thin air, apparently. That's how these security, securitizations have always worked. And they go out the door as something that's that's high grade. So there's huge risk there of these things blowing up. And the Fed can't backstop this stuff forever, right? I mean, you've got CLOs, you've got Beijing, uh, they've locked down in, in, this, in the city. They want 
people to stay home. They have locked down schools. They're limiting flights in and out. You've got spikes in COVID here in the summer. Who knows what's coming in the fall? I get that jobs look good in the month of May, but that was logical. You had a lot of temporary unemployment around restaurants, dentist's office, you name it, bars. A number of those firms went out of business. But for those that didn't, all those employees came back. So it makes a lot of sense that May was better than April. I'd expect June to be a bit better than May, July to be a bit better than June, August maybe flat, maybe up a little bit. September, October, as you no longer have the summer bounce, I'm not sure exactly what happens. You've got seasonal seasonal employment there. That's a, that's a factor. Summer leisure travel stops. Business travel hasn't yet started because offices aren't open. So that profit engine isn't out there. Massive overhang of commercial real estate. So it's just, it, it, it's hard to be optimistic. Right? I don't buy what's going on in the market for one second. It's the most overvalued market that I can remember, where valuation multiples are reminiscent of 1999-2000, yet the underlying economy in 1999-2000 was a lot stronger than it is today. So you know, if you're in your 20s and you're a retail investor and this is your first foray into the market, you don't really have a point of reference unless you're a student of the market. So you know, things look, look great, uh, but that's not the case. Things have never looked worse in terms of risk-reward. So that is the the bearish podcast for today. Keep an eye out for that article on Amazon, which regardless of what happens to its stock, if we roll back here, uh, in terms of the business, it's about as strong as it gets, along with Microsoft. I think those are probably the two most durable large businesses in the world. That's all for now. See you next time.